Welcome to the Wholeheartedly Podcast, a space where emotional sponges can absorb understanding, acceptance, and joy while navigating both work and life. I'm your host, Kaylin Staten, and every other week we delve into the deep waters of what it means to integrate all facets of your life. It may be messy, beautiful, and everything in between, but at the end of the day, this is your story. This podcast aims to showcase stories to help you along in your journey, no matter where you find yourself on that path. Be sure to connect with us on social media, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. So today I'm actually coming at you from my bedroom floor because my son decided that he didn't want to have a nap, and I really wanted to do a bonus episode of the podcast. So here we are sitting on the bedroom floor amongst laundry and everything else that is probably not aesthetically pleasing for an emotional sponge. But this is what we got and I'm actually gonna go with it. This is just a bonus episode of Wholeheartedly. It doesn't have to have the pomp and circumstance. It doesn't have to have all of the bells and whistles that I normally would do. It's more of a of an audio diary format anyway. I wanted to do just a very brief episode about nostalgia. It's something that has been a core component of my personality and of who I am since I could literally remember. I know as a little girl, I would long for experiences or just certain memories and points in time. And I'm still like that. So what really has stirred up nostalgia for me lately is the fact that I went to Paris 10 years ago for the first time. 10 years ago, that's a whole decade. (laughs) And it was a really bright spot in a really crappy time in my life. And so I look back at this with fondness and being able to experience a completely new city and one that I had wanted to visit since I was a very little girl. And so it stirred up all of this nostalgia for me. I've been reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. I've noticed a lot of mixed reviews on the internet just about her in general. So some people really love her and her work really speaks to them. But then there are some people who think that it's just a little watered down for what it is. I kind of have a mixed review as well, but I have taken some really good information out of it, especially with regard to language. And when I say mixed reviews on the internet, I literally mean Reddit. (laughs) And we all know that Reddit is a cesspool of information. You'd go on there when you just want to see what the gossip mill has churning that week. Again, a lot of it is based off of my own opinions. But needless to say, she does go into the word nostalgia. From the looks of things, it actually has a pretty dark past in terms of its origin story. I'll link this to the show notes. I'm not going to get too much into it right now. But a Swiss medical student noticed that there was a pattern in his patients. And this occurred in the late 1600s. So this was a decently long time ago. And then just did some observable experiments about these people with nostalgia. It actually was considered to be a disease for a really long time. And I can see why it stirs up a lot of emotions and it's most linked to negative moods. It's triggered by something that's negative. And of course, I'm talking to you today about Paris and that's very positive, but it also triggers loneliness, also struggles to find meaning. Episode four, spoiler alert, 
is going to be about purpose and identity, how I have started to recalibrate my purpose and have my work and have my personal life fit into a little bit more of a narrow focus. I think a lot of us have done that during the pandemic, even before the pandemic. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in next week's full episode. But I just wanted to talk about nostalgia and how it has just meaning in my life, both positive and negative. It's no secret that nostalgia is huge for emotional sponges because we seek new experiences to either cover up what ails us or to combat boredom or complacency. But I've noticed that two years of a pandemic has really sparked my need for seeking new experiences, whether that's traveling, whether that's learning something new professionally, whether it's going with my husband and son somewhere that we haven't been before, even if it's just like a restaurant, just getting us out of the house and getting out of a normal routine. Nostalgia has a place with that because I sit and, you know, I I have all kinds of pictures around my house of just the relationship that I have with my husband from start to now. Pictures of when our son was born, pictures of travel, and just things that overall just make me feel good and feel nostalgic and sentimental. Nostalgia actually helps me feel reinvigorated, but a lot of times it can be painful. Like I mentioned before, it came from a little bit more of a darker past than what a lot of us would probably even realize. And for a long time, I have avoided being nostalgic. And it's something that triggers feelings of longing and just overall this sense of perhaps being stuck in my current situation. This happened a lot during the pandemic, but being stuck in a certain situation or feeling stuck may not be completely stuck, let's be honest. But I avoided it. Truthfully, I've avoided even looking at my parents' pictures. It can be painful. It can be a place that you miss desperately, a place that you've been to countless times, one time. It could be memories of a loved one, of something that you've shared with them, or just an overall memory. So nostalgia can be a double-edged sword. It's both a positive and a negative. It's light and dark, black and white, two opposite ends of the spectrum. And all I know is I do cherish those moments in time, and I am a very nostalgic person, even if that means being depressed when I recall a memory, or being excited or again, reinvigorated. So nostalgia for me, and I know probably for a lot of you, especially emotional sponges or highly sensitive people, nostalgia affects all five of our senses. So sight, smell, hearing, taste, touch. Sight for me, every time I see a rainbow or see photographs again, or I think about seeing my son for the first time after he was born, or his first sonogram picture, that just sets me back to just those moments in time. Smells, this is a really big one for me. So I love the smell of lavender. It does make me think of Paris because there are so many fresh flower shops and just an overall more naturalistic and fresh approach to a lot of the food and the, again, the aesthetic and the flowers. 
and markets. And so I really think of lavender when I think of France in general, but most specifically Paris. Coconut, it makes me think of my childhood. I used to have like coconut soap and shampoo and conditioner. And so it makes me think of my childhood when I smell coconut or any type of like pineapple or like a beachy type of candle that really takes me back. Also the perfume I wore on the first date with my husband and I I save this for special occasions. It's actually and I am anti MLM. <laughs> I don't know if I'll get into that on this podcast, but I am not a lover of multi-level marketing. I've written pieces on it. I consume content that is not not of a loving MLM lens. But I will say that Bond Girl 007 perfume from Avon is actually pretty awesome. <laughs> Just gonna put that out there. And again, it's nostalgic. It was before I was anti-MLM. And so I put that on to feel nostalgic. Hearing, when I hear certain songs, it just transplants me back into that time period in which I first heard them or something that I was going through during that time. I have playlists for everything, even this podcast. So after every episode, I do just an inventory of my songs and I see which one applies the most to the episode. I'm weird. (laughs) I'm just, I don't know. I'm sentimental in all these like different ways. So for taste, anytime I have biscuits and gravy, that is at least a little bit reminiscent of my granny's biscuits and gravy. It makes me think of all the times in her kitchen. After I stayed with her on a Friday night and into Saturday morning, she would wake up and make my sister and me biscuits and gravy and bacon. And we would just sit and talk at her kitchen table and she would share stories with us. And I am deeply sentimental and nostalgic about my granny. I dedicated my first book to her. It wasn't really just a dedication, obviously, because it was a cookbook of all of her recipes and memories of her and photographs, things in her own handwriting. It was the first book I put out there and I have framed a lot of my writing around nostalgia as well as just my passion projects as a whole. And finally, touch. I like things that feel good. So paper is really big for me because as a writer, I love to flip through a book and it just reminds me of, again, my childhood. A lot of these are heavily attached to childhood memories. And then just the feeling of new nail polish on my fingers. And of course, not wet nail polish because why would I be touching that? But just the feeling of like that slick, glossy nail polish. And so when I was in my 20s, I would paint my nails every single week. I would change out the color. Again, I'm seeking new sensory experiences. And so I would paint my nails every week. I had more time then too, I'll just tell you. (laughs) So those are just some things that like spark up nostalgia for me. I know that all of you listening have your own set of memories and sensory experiences that will drive your own nostalgia and sentimentality. But nothing really drums it up like thinking about my relationship with my husband and with my son and then Paris. (laughs) Oh, there are countless other things that made me nostalgic, but I dreamed of going to Paris since I was a little girl. And I don't know if you remember this TV show. I barely remember it. It was called The Torkelsons. And I think it only lasted for like a couple of seasons. But one of the main characters, I think she was a teenage girl, just dreamed of going to Paris. 
And I remember just looking through books and Encarta. Do you guys remember Encarta? I'm like, I'm dating myself. Okay, like, I'm 33 years old and I am a millennial. I remember life before the internet. And I remember Encarta before Google. (laughs) I used to search all kinds of things with Encarta. And so I would look up Paris like nobody's business. And I used to dream of seeing the Eiffel Tower with my own eyes. And I kid you not, the very first time that I saw the Eiffel Tower 10 years ago, there was a rainbow behind it. And rainbows are nostalgic for me anyway, but you add Paris on top of that. And it was like my eyes and senses exploded. Like to this day, it gives me chills because it's like you cannot have a more perfect moment. So my mom and I went in 2012 again for the first time. And we both saw that and it was just, it was an amazing moment. So anytime I look at that picture, it's one of my most favorite pictures of all time. And I will link that again in the show notes. I say that a thousand times per show, but it will be there. And I just love, I just love Paris. I've, I've loved the French language. I will say that I am pretty rusty, but I had it in high school. I had it in college. I could have minored in French if I would have had one more class. And so I love just the culture. I love the food. And I just love everything about it. There's this phenomenon. I don't know how scientific it is. My husband first brought it to my attention. He read about a concept called Paris syndrome. And it's when you build up the idea of Paris and then you go and you're sorely disappointed. That didn't necessarily happen for me. I looked at it from a realistic lens. Like I know there's going to be dog poop on the sidewalks. I know that there are going to be rougher neighborhoods. I know that all of the major attractions are going to be super busy. And then, you know, French people can be snooty or whatever. Like, I mean, whatever stereotype that you have. I mean, I'm certain that those aspects are true to some degree for some people and whatever experience that you may have. But overall, I had a really pleasant experience. and. I just loved the aesthetic. I loved the way that the air felt on my face at night. I loved the food. Eating an actual croque monsieur in Paris was awesome because I grew up seeing them in books. (laughs) And I actually ate one and I was like, this is amazing. The overall aesthetic of the city, the architecture, again, the Eiffel Tower, that's the most American thing for me to say is, oh, look, I just love the Eiffel Tower and all of this stuff. But it is amazing. I know French people have a love-hate relationship with it, just like we all have a love-hate relationship with where we're from. But I just think that the overall liveliness and all of the lights and the food and just the culture really spoke to me. Everything was an adventure from navigating the metro to trying to not seem like an American. I remember that we... We actually rented an apartment, which is something that I recommend if you ever go just to any city in general. This was before like Airbnb was a super big thing. So I don't know if I'm a trailblazer or not, (laughs) but we rented an apartment and were able to experience the neighborhood. There was a cafe like right underneath our apartment. We were able to watch people and watch the driving. It is true that they have these little tiny cars and they fit into parking spaces that are 
even tinier than those cars. And so they will hit the bumpers front and back when they're trying to parallel park or just like pull into a spot. So that that was pretty funny to watch. And so the people watching is awesome. And just the the performers in the metro and again, like all of these sensory experiences. But being in that part of that neighborhood was awesome because we were able to take advantage of a market that was right across from the apartment. And I remember we met an American and this was, I think, the second time I went. I'm getting my times mixed up. But I was wearing an infinity scarf and she was like... Yeah, you like I knew you were an American because no French person would wear that scarf. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> Over here trying to look French, right? So again, just those kind of experiences, trying to speak the language, reading things. And I actually was very privileged to be able to go again in 2016 with both my mom and my grandmother this time. And we also went to London. And so very nostalgic with London too. I just want to do a short episode. I'm feeling nostalgic. I know that it's a core part of who I am. And I just recently realized that if you're an emotional sponge, you probably are overtaken by sentimentality and emotion and nostalgia as well. And so I wanted to just talk about Paris and just say how awesome it was. And I think also, I don't want to jinx anything, but I think my son is asleep. So I'm going to sign off so I can get some work done and work on episode four as well. And I will see you next week for episode four. This has been an Hourglass Media production.